Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, ripe ramblings and regurgitated reminiscing from the rabble of Wrongans. I'm Tom, and I'm joined as ever by Lorning, Harry, Punt, Hello. and our special guest on the line from the land of roundabouts, Russell Martin. Hello. The Man City game was bonkers, so we'll touch on that, spend a few minutes discussing Palace away, but really, we know you'd rather hear from Russell, so we'll fire questions at him until he hangs up the phone. Let's go back to that City game. Uh, we were all on The Athletic uh, and on various different preview shows saying we hope we don't break Scum's record. Um, we all looked a bit silly. Uh, Russ, did you call that, uh, that Norwich City win? Did you, were you back in that last Saturday? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't see it coming, especially with all the injuries and stuff. Um, but I also didn't see them getting absolutely battered like everyone else uh, on the team coach thought they might be. We were on the bus um, talking about it on the way up and then watched it actually on the way back from our game at Blackpool. So it was, uh, it was amazing to watch. It was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the, the atmosphere was different class. I mean, re- really ear-splitting stuff. And what, what was in the... What gives you plenty of enthusiasm for, for the season ahead? And we said the same, to be fair, in defeat against Chelsea, to be honest. We are holding our own and having, having solid 10, 15 minutes of, of play here and there where we're looking good. We didn't ever have 10, 15 minutes of the ball against City. But it was the fact that we, we took the few chances we've got. And, and I can't remember the exact stat, but um, I don't know if you, you've seen it, Punt. Us versus our expected goals is like best ever. You know, we, we, we're getting hardly any chances, but we're making sure we're finishing them. Yeah, we're well above XG, but go at, but to be fair, we were well above XG last season. We were like massively outperformed XG by about 20. Uh, and I wouldn't pay any credence to that because Lorne loves the XG stat because um, he's a big stat fan. But at the same time, it's all about the strikers that you've got on your books. And Team Pukki is just phenomenal in front of goal. But I love the way you that, complain about someone enjoying knowledge and information. Yeah, but it's it's not exactly relevant information when you put it into context. I yeah, guess that's into my the, point here. In today's uh, political uh, environment, we don't like experts. Am, well, I, am I wrong in that? We, exactly. We've gone yeah, against yeah. the analysis. I actually think it goes back to what I was saying on one of the very first podcasts at the start of last season when Piggy was complaining about the way we were playing. And I said that we may not be creating as many chances, but we were creating better chances. And I think that's still relevant that we create really good quality chances and that's why we score proportionally more goals compared to the amount of chances we create well we could actually put it to the professional footballer um, among the, the four of us um criminal that the three of us haven't had a shot but um <laughs> Russ, is is xg something that is kind of sniffed at and laughed at is, is that even a, a stat that's 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 brought up in team meetings or, or or worked upon at all from from a club level um i, I quite like it as a stat i think there's uh, there's loads of different um diagrams now that sort of get shown or, or put into presentations by managers or coaches or analysts most of the time to be honest on opposition etc um, and that's 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 one that often comes up and it's often it's broke down into four things really simply like chances chances created chances against and possession um how much possession they have so you kind of it, it creates a pattern over the course of a season on how a team tends to play or how a team tends to score a lot of their goals um, and I think you're right what you're saying with Norwich it's it's the quality of chances they actually get so when when Timu's finishing a lot of them he's inside he's inside the 18 yard box 6 yard box and that doesn't happen with a lot of teams they have to sort of fight and battle but the, the ease that Norwich get into the, the final third and, and especially into the into the 18 yard area with people running in in behind defenders it's um, that's not easy and it's something they do brilliantly well especially Toddy recently uh, or I think it's been brilliant um, 
surprising a lot of people, probably apart from the people that are in, in the building uh, up at Colney. But um, I think it's the, it's the quality of chances. And when, when they do get one, it's, you know, you have got people in there who, who can finish and finish well. So it, it's a good start. I think, as John probably said, it's uh, it's one that you can get carried away with, but um, it's one of the it's one of the better stats, should we say? That's so, uh, banned about. So, from an analytics and a stats point of view, um, you, you've obviously played at, at various different levels, um, and on, obviously this is your this is your third time at the tier you're at now. Since the last time you were there, which was was with Norwich, um, have from from a technology and analytics a stats point of view, are, are those um, third league tier clubs now way closer to the analytics and, and the, the amount they're, they're putting into technology than you know than the Prem teams has that gap closed now I think it depends I think it really depends on the club um, depends on the manager the importance they place on it I think it depends on the finance financial resources the club's got um, we're fortunate at MK we've got uh, a manager that's quite big into his analysis not into just into the opposition but into his own team into our team um and we've got people who are good at good at delivering what he wants so um but i don't think that's the same um up and down the country of every single club in that league i think there'll be a lot there'll be lots that are much better than others and and again it comes down to the manager and the importance he places on it really i've played on the managers who we don't focus on the opposition one bit we don't do one bit of analysis and it's about playing our own game and, and improving that. And that's one thing I've liked about Norwich this year, really, is that, you know, we've gone about, we've well, gone about it. They've gone about it as, um, they've gone it the same, even against Man City. Ben Goffrey's still picking it up two yards outside the six-yard box off Tim Krull. And I love that. And I think you've got to be that brave. With the way they play, I don't think they can change it with the players they've got. I think all of a sudden, if they become compact and, and start hitting it long towards team, it kind of defeats the object. So I love the fact they're doing that. But regardless of any stats they've got thrown at them, even they've done it against Liverpool and Liverpool renowned for the way they press, press really high and aggressively, and they've done it against every team they've played against. And you're not always going to beat the top teams playing that way. But um, I think you'll, you'll end up winning more than, more than you don't if you, if you carry on getting better at what you do. And it's been so successful, so why change it? That, that's an interesting point, and it was, it was one of the things that I um, noted down in my uh, very, very thorough preparation I always do for a podcast. Um, so you know, yeah. I, I'm going to read one of both of the notes I've made. Um, you were obviously in, a, in a, a couple of Prem squads who had that, the benefit of the momentum of promotion and that fantastic feeling and that great atmosphere uh, in, in the dressing room from, um, from having that m- momentum. Uh, to what extent did you did you as players feel that momentum fall away? Because you know, we we've made a lot as fans of that six two at Newcastle um, and 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 how some managers seem to have gone you know, and then Hewton coming in and, and wanting to play a different way and you know maybe Alex Neil losing a bit of, of conviction in the way we we played in the Championship versus okay maybe we need to try and tighten things up. I mean how how much as as a player is that a tangible thing that you feel? I mean I know that. Of course, at no point a manager is going to say to the lads, right, I want you to all be shit now, or I want you to all just completely shut up, stop and, and never never play expansive football. But yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on ha- having actually been in that situation where momentum has carried us so far and then it's all of a sudden the results have stopped when you've been used to winning more regularly. How much is that on the players' minds you know, in the Premier League? Um, I think players are really aware of it. It's really difficult to... Uh build momentum because football's so transient and so fluid and it changes week to week. Um, but when you do get it, it's, it's huge. I mean, I had it in when I went to Peterborough uh, when I, before I came to Norwich. They had massive momentum. They'd just been promoted from League Two. 
uh, and squad of players that really believed in the manager, the fans right behind them. We got promoted straight away again from League One. Um, and, and the manager spoke about it all the time, about momentum. Then obviously came back to League One when I signed with, with Paul and um, he spoke about building momentum and, and getting it going again. And we did it really quickly. And it carried us all the way through to the end of the first year in the Premier League. There's no doubt about it and everyone could feel it. And then if I'm looking back at it now, being honest, momentum completely shifted once Paul left. Um, because you go from knowing exactly what you're doing to then... And Chris could have come in and played exactly the same way, but it was still taking time. So that meant stops. So you do um, sometimes get a new a new manager bounce, don't you? And and, and that is almost like it almost seems like hierarchies at some clubs see that as a way of artificially yeah, manufacturing short term momentum. Yeah, but the difference was Tom that Chris was coming into a, a team that was and a and a building that was already successful. That doesn't happen very often as a football manager. You usually come into a place that's at rock bottom and is, is in need of something to get them going again, as you said, like a, you know, a bit of a bounce. Um, so that wasn't the case. So we had something and then rather than the manager come in and listen, I, I really like Chris. He's proved to be a really good manager. We've got a lot of time for him. Um, but rather than take something and say, right, we can keep improving. This is what it's about. It's about being aggressive, about pressing high, about believing in what we're doing. Yes, there's going to be weeks where you play against top teams and you're too open and you get you know, you get battered. That that Paul was brilliant with that. We'd get beat five one by Man City. Go, do you know what? We, I love that. We played the way I want us to play. We didn't change anything. On a different day, the score would be different. We move on. It was never like overanalyzed. And How then, quickly can it sort of break in terms of? So thinking back to that Newcastle six two defeat, there was a bit of momentum before that from the promotion from the Championship, and then that season started okay, and then the six two seemed to fracture it. And then the reason I thought of it now was. So it's happened to, it seems to have happened to Lincoln last week where they lost Danny Cowley. And then yeah. after three years of doing incredible, they get thumped 6 nil. Oh, home. yeah, it changes. Is it, it changes. that fragile? Yeah, it takes a long time to build and then it can just go like that. That's, what I'm, that's the point I was trying to make, I guess. When Paul left, momentum kind of stopped straight away because no one knew which, way we, which direction we were going to go in. Um, Chris obviously came in pre-season, had, his, had to put his stamp on it. But then the momentum from how we played, has gone because now we're, we're trying to learn a different way of playing with a different group of people. The, the dynamic completely changes around a football club and it was the same after Newcastle and I think me and Alex spoke about it in, in quite a lot after that game during that season and even into the season after about we went from being a team that was really clear in what we're doing, everything was really black and white and it was there was no grey area at all to all of a sudden, oh, maybe overthinking and overanalyzing everything, and, and we we went from like man v man, man versus man against aggressive high press. Like this is how we're going to play. We're going to be full of energy to sort of then talking about half positions and do we press there? Do we drop off? And it just wasn't us, and it didn't suit us. And and you, we could feel it as a group. And we actually had meetings over the last few weeks over that Newcastle thing to say look, if we're going to play this way, you have to accept there's certain games where it might go against us. Like, Wijnaldum had the game of his life. He scored four goals or something like that. Like, yeah. That's not going to happen every week. And you have to sort of take it on the chin, dust yourself off and move on again. But after that, we went away from what had given us success, what had built momentum. And the lads felt it shift really quickly. And we had numerous meetings about it. And by the time we actually end up playing that way again and going back to it, it's really difficult to then go back to that because everyone's got to believe in it and everyone's got to think it's the way to go. Whereas we'd already built that up and then because we came away from it, all of a sudden it's much more difficult to build again. So it is, um, 
it's an interesting dynamic and it's not easy to get and it's really easy to lose. And that's why I'm pleased that the, the current team and the, and the management and everyone, and it comes with a whole identity of the club at the minute, they've stuck to it because they're bloody good at it. So, so you, obviously you talked about getting humped um, and, and w- what that's like at the Premier League. I, I was actually interested because you've, you've had the benefit of uh, and the, in the varied career to play at a few levels. So, you know, the heights of the Premier League and the depths of the Scotland squad. And um, I wondered what it's like to, to have uh-huh. a... It's <laughs> been working on that for hours. <laughs> uh, to have a bad day. I was just hoping it's Snoddy or someone was here to hear it. That's, that's a shame. Um, so, yeah, what's it like when, when the team have had a, a stinker? Um, does it, are you more? Are you consciously? Is that consciously harder to take in the Premier League or in an international game um, than when you are, when you are in a League One game or, or in a Championship game against kind of mid-table opposition that you know it's not one on the, in front of the cameras? Is it hard? Is it harder as a as a player to get over or process because you think so many more people are not only going to see this live on a stream or will watch it on match of the day, but th- does that actually come into how quickly you can move on and process that as a player? Um. That's a, that's a really good question. I don't, there's some more that you can, you can feel good after a loss sometimes if you've, if you've approached the game in a way that you, you think is how you should do it. So like we went, like I said, we got beat 5-1 by Man City under Paul. You can move on the next day because we had a right go. We created a few chances. Yes, we got beat 5-1, but we got in people's faces. Do you know what I mean? That, what we were about, we still tried to do it, even though it was against yeah. one of the country's best. And then we went to City a year later with Chris and got beat 7-0. And it was the worst afternoon of my life, like in football. It was horrific. It could have been, like Watford last week, it could have been 12. Um, and you come off then, and that's difficult to get over. That takes a little bit longer than, you know, oh, well, we had a go today and move on. And I had this argument on a coaching course recently about um, can you press top teams and can... And, and, I've, after playing both kind of ways, like being a defensive team and getting beat or being a team that's actually getting in people's face and trying to play football, and I know which side I'd rather be on. Um, so I was having this debate with someone recently, a, a, another coach, and they disagreed and they think you should be a bit more conservative and stuff. So I think the Premier League, with the Premier League, it just brings so many more opinions and, and so many more replays. Like we'd be in the training ground and the gym on a... Tuesday, Wednesday, and they're still showing highlights of the goals. I mean, every Arsenal goal they ever scored, they they always put it up against us on Sky Sports News. It was amazing. But um, yeah, it, 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 I just think it depends. It depends what sort of character you are. I, I was kind of the same. I said it like recently, like me getting promoted last year. At MK, you know, it felt the same as getting promoted at Norwich because it is what it is. It's the result of hard work and it's the team and everything. And it's the same now. Like I treat defeat now in League One as I would in the Premier League. I don't. I don't tend to dwell on it too much, but it really depends on what, what the character and personality is of the player. How, um, how many promotions is that for you now? Um, three at Norwich, one at Peterborough and one at um, five. Yeah, so every off, league, every league, Tom. Every so league. Off, off, off the back of that, presumably, <laughs> you know, and thinking about uh, that, uh, are you finding, you know, last season when you were pushing towards that and it was, it took you a while to get, to get that confirmed, you know, it was right up until, until the wire really, wasn't it? Until you, you know, right into the last couple of last weekends game. of the season. Yeah. Last game, yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, were you, 
I guess that gave you loads of opportunities. You know, you've made no secret of the fact that you know you're collecting your badges and you're going to be a manager in the not too distant future. Were, were you finding that a really good opportunity to kind of test out? Okay, well, actually, lads, I've done this four times before. Let me put my arm around you and, and, and give you a bit of advice. Let me calm this lad down. I can see this lad is, is feeling more stressed than he should do. Like, were you were you kind of testing out different ways of trying to motivate and keep players heads in the right place, like during that 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 kind of run? Yeah, the last um, two years or or two season and a half or whatever, being back. Um, at lower lower levels than I have been for the last ten years or whatever, been um, been hugely important because I've I've learned as much in this last eighteen months about myself and about other people than I did in the previous eight, nine, ten years or whatever. I think the thing is when you're um, when you're playing in the Premier League or the Championship at a club like Norwich, where everything's done for you, it's 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 really easy. There really are no excuses. Do you know what I mean? Not, there's no excuse to come into a brilliant training ground, a brilliant pitch, and not train properly. Um, whereas lower down the levels, people find a load more excuses. So it's, it's navigating and working out different personalities. And, and you're right, when you're young, you tend to treat everyone the same and you think everyone can do the same things that you do and you, you, your body feels great and you think, you know, why are people taking it a bit easier in training? But as you get older, you realise actually some people might need to do that to perform on a Saturday. So there's loads of things I've learned. And, and for me now, this just getting as much juice out of the game as I can in terms of playing. I'm really enjoying playing still at a decent enough level. And and as you said, I think the biggest thing for me now is it's just learning from different ideas. Um, I don't know what level I'll start at coaching. So picking up things along the way, picking up things about players, about people. And it's all about people. It's all about it's all about culture and as a leader, it's all about culture and, and the people and the way you treat them, that connection. So um yeah, I've learned loads. It's been it's been good for me. We asked for, for questions for, for you um, earlier today, um, and, and one you know we'll jump into one of them now because because actually it's really relevant to, to to what you just kind of mentioned. So it comes from uh, Sam Whittam, and it basically says he's sort of or he's interested in the journey from player to management and how that works, whether or not you apply for managerial managerial jobs or coaching jobs in the same way that you'd apply for normal jobs, or if it's all down to agents or who you know and what you know like how does that all work um, again it's not set in stone um, I've actually been offered two interviews in the last year um, one in one not in this country and one in this country but it was just too, a bit too early for me in clubs I didn't really feel I'd have a chance to have success at really so I think it comes down to um, timing opportunity if something comes available that I would be really interested in. Of course, I would apply for it. Um, if something came available that someone wanted to talk to me, or it's all about connection as well. You know, that's that can't be um, can't be frowned upon. Like it is, it is sometimes about people you know and, and connection with a club or whatever. Like that. So I really don't know. It's really difficult to plan in this game. Obviously, agents are constantly talking. Um, people are sounding out like on our. I meet a lot of people and I'm on the pro license at the minute. You get a chance to network with a lot of people, chief execs and stuff who are coming and talking on these courses. So it's just about, um, it's just about being as prepared as you possibly can, really. And as I said, I'm learning loads. I'm trying to get stuff ready for, for when I do get it. But I'm, not, I'm in no rush at all as well because the first job's really important because I think it's 50% of managers don't get another chance at it. So, um, yeah, we'll just see. That? Yeah. Well, but it is a case, sorry, it is a case of sometimes 
clubs approach you and sometimes you'll actually physically go to a club and say, look, I'm interested, here's my CV type thing. So, yeah, yeah. So you can, I mean, anyone can apply for any job that comes available. If the knowledge job will come available tomorrow, you could apply for it. You know, you send your CV. I'd suggest probably would. It might not be worthwhile, but you can. What are you saying, Russ? That's so disrespectful. <laughs> you, you, I was going to offer you my number two, and now I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, but I've, most of the time it'll be an agent speaking to an owner or a chief exec or a sporting director or whatever and saying, you know, would they be interested in my client? I, I presume that's how it works. Pretty much the same as if a, if a club was interested in a player or a player was interested in signing for a club. So, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty interesting. I'm quite relaxed, but I'm in no rush. I'm enjoying playing still. And like I said, I just want to be keep learning and keep getting prepared. Well, Lorne mentioned the, the Cowleys and, and Lincoln. Presumably, that's kind of the blueprint. That's that's the sort of thing that you lads that are on the um, the pro course at the moment, you know, you think, well, do you know what? If if I can start at a lower level and if I can get a cup run or two and I can show that I can implement some good football and uh, and get some longevity somewhere, keep a group of, of players together, then I am going to get... Because, I mean, they've been talked about for, for three or four seasons as, you know, they're going to go somewhere, they're going to they're gonna kick on. Um, and and I, and I guess, like, like I say, that that's the sort of thing you point to as a as a young manager and think. I hope I get an opportunity where I can start to shine like that. Yeah, definitely. I think if you look at their career, they took it's been building blocks for them. They took uh, took a, had a quite a long time at Concord in non-league. So they started down there, then obviously at Braintree, done a really good job, and then got time at Lincoln. It was the right. They've chosen the right clubs at the right time. Um, and I think there's so much. It's looked into now. People think it's just about our oh, tactics and watching their team, but they don't. You know, owners looking at touchline behaviour, um, how they are with the media. That's a huge part of it now. Um, Danny Cowley's particularly good with the media. Because um, if you look at a job like someone like Gareth Ainsworth's done at Wickham, yeah, on a small budget, it's, it's brilliant. But he's not been talked about for any of the jobs that have come up, and all the ones that have come up recently, the Cowleys have been involved and in the betting, in the running for it. So. Load of it is about media, how you perceive, uh, um, you know, who you talk to in the game, how you, how you do things. So there's so much to think about. And I said, ultimately, you can only be yourself. And if someone sees you as a right fit for their football club, then then great. But they've done brilliantly well. Um, played against their team. They're really organised. Uh, playing a certain way, real high energy. In, and hopefully for them, it's, listen, I'm I'm all for seeing someone, people go on that sort of journey from lower leagues to, to where they are now in the Championship, young British managers, and I'm all for it, so I really hope they are successful at Huddersfield. What about punditry? Because you also seem to, it seems to be the same names that get that touted in the frame, and you don't necessarily know whether or not they're the ones that are being reported because they're making sure, their agents are making sure they're being reported or if they are genuinely in the frame. But it does, it does, it certainly seems from the outside at least that, if you do do a few um, a, a few kind of Sundays at, at Sky covering some championship games and what have you, then you, you, you kind of put yourself front and centre um, of, of people's minds to, to remind everyone, look, I am available, I am still here. Oh, massively, yeah. I think yeah, whenever a manager gets sacked, within about a week or two weeks, you see him on Sky Sports doing a game. Like Gary Rowett's doing a lot of games at the moment in the championship. You know, he's doing that. So once he gets to watch championship football, keep his eye, keep his hand in. But the other, the other reasons is, he wants to set himself to an owner somewhere, you know, he wants someone to look at him and go, actually, he talks sense. He, I like what, you know, I like what he, what he, what he discusses, how he sees the game. He, he could be a good fit for us. So um, I've done bits and pieces of it. I really enjoy it. Um, I've been asked to do a couple of Norwich games this year if they fall on a Sunday, because obviously playing on a Saturday, but um, I really enjoy it. I would like to do more, but I think it's a great way for people to show what they know. Like, you know, Liam Rossini have got, 
well, probably got the derby, the job he's got at derby because he spoke so well on Sky last year. Yeah, he was superb. He really was. He really yeah. was good. Yeah, I imagine we have loads of club owners listening to this. So, yeah, I think well, well, maybe maybe one set. I don't think that job's available, but obviously that is the job you're you're aiming for in the long term. I mean, and as for speaking to the media, um you're wheeled out to the media after every defeat um like it seems to be so what, what why I mean, clearly that was the case at norwich but then also you were only at rangers for five minutes and and you, yeah. you already were being whenever they 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 mucked up you, you would be like wheeled out what is it you think that about you that that is is you seem to have to be the full guy whichever whichever club you're at for but right we've lost four nil send russ out there to talk to him um i don't know at first, I kind of took it as a compliment. I said to Joe, like, you know, whenever it was, um, whenever it was a tough one or it was something they didn't want to discuss, they they put me out. And I never mind doing it. I don't mind doing it. I love talking about football. I always try and be as honest as I can and use as few cliches as possible. But I don't know. I find it easy to sit in a room and talk about football. A lot of players don't enjoy it. Um, did I enjoy it? Probably. You don't enjoy it because you can never be 100% honest and open because there's always some agenda somewhere, right? So. Um, but I always try to be as honest as I could. And, and, but towards the end, and I've spoke, I spoke about this with Joe, he's obviously left the club now, and um, I did feel it, it impacted me negatively because I was just associated with every single defeat we had. And it got to the point towards the end where um, the, the season before Daniel and I literally went out for the last three months after every defeat we had. And it was like, come on, you know, someone else can... And I never mind it, I was captain of the club, so I had to do it for the lads. There'd be times when no one else wanted to do it, so I had to take the fall. It was also um, always your fault, if you remember, if you go on Twitter. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so really, it's only fair. If every goal is your fault, then, you know. Guilty by association. And people, it was difficult because I'd go out there and, and say what I had to say. And I'd try to be honest again. And there was times, so there was times I'd go, look, there's no issues. We're working hard, blah, blah. And people go, oh, same old, same old shit being said by Russell Martin. And then there was times like the Brighton one where I was brutally honest, where I yeah. wasn't happy with a few things that was going on and a few of the lads. and. The lads in the dressing room knew what I was talking about, um, and it was aimed at them to try and either say, "Look, back up and, and work for the club," or, or "Don't." And then I got loads of stick for that as well, saying, "Oh, he's hanging his teammates out of dry. He's t- trying to deflect." No, I'm not. What, what What do you want? You need to decide what you want. If you want me to be honest, or do you just want me to come out and spout, say, "Oh, thanks for support. We're really sorry, and we'll move on to the next one." See, that's interesting because my I I don't I that's not my memory. I don't know about the other two boys. That's not my memory of that. I, I from my echo chamber during that that press conference in particular. I can't remember. Was it was it Michael Bailey you were talking to, or was it uh, Chris Gorham? It was. It was yeah. Chris Gorham one, right? Yeah. I seem to remember you actually getting credit for that. Um, I seem to remember that actually it was a case of look, this lad actually really cares about the club and he's really, yeah. and, and he's clearly saying, look, ship, like shape up or ship out, basically. And so I, I, I don't know if that's an example of you as the person who, I don't know if that's an example of just the, the you know, culture we live in now, the negative stuff is maybe a bit louder, even if it's in, in the minority. Um, because, because actually, like I say, I, I seem to remember that being people saying, finally, yeah. Russ is actually getting the chance to be honest. And, and that's the thing, I think for me, like, in my own echo chamber, everyone was was pretty much on the on the same page. Of it's really nice to hear Russ talk like that. He's obviously affected, but you know, by that that defeat. And you kind of touched on it a moment ago, Russ. You didn't roll out the same bullshit football cliches. You called it as it is, and you called out your teammates. And you never ever really see that in a press conference. It was really refreshing. So, and some of them absolutely deserved it. I was at that yeah. Brighton game, and yeah. there was 
players who Graham Dobbins, who absolutely just downed tools at three nil. That I think that's the apart from the Fulham six nil where Damien Francis was dreadful. That's one of the only of course, times I remember row where you're bringing up that, that still Francis mad performance. Lorne holds grudges, but uh-huh. it's the, they're the only two Norwich games I remember where players physically stopped trying. So I think. I think for me, it was refreshing that, Russ, you came out and said what you said. But it was also one of those ones where it was quite easy to come out and say that because it was so obvious from an outsider looking in that, that some of them just weren't trying. Yeah, it was, it was a tough period. I, I, just felt, I felt for the manager at that time because it just felt like the lads were kind of waiting. Not all of them, listen. It was just a, the couple were just kind of waiting and thinking, well, if it carries on like this, it'll probably be gone at some point. And he deserved a little bit better. And I was, listen, it was against my hometown club, which makes it miles worse. My boy was mascot. I had loads of family in the crowd, loads of people I knew. And um, yeah, looking back, would I have done it again? Probably, because it did hurt. I did feel it. But then there was times like at the end of that season, we didn't have a chief exec. We had no manager. And I've never known a captain to go out and talk to the press and debrief the whole season. So I was then asked to do that and it ended up by discussing with the press for 30 minutes about the manager situation, the chief exec situation. And so there was stuff like that where I thought, I felt sometimes actually I, I don't know any other player that would be asked to do this. Yeah. Because I don't, I can't really, there's no, ultimately there was no real benefit for me. Do you, do you know what I mean? There was no yeah, you, benefit you, you, you say that, there, but no I, person, I remember. There was no remember, personal gain. I, I remember that part, uh, uh, that, that kind of period. And, um, and uh, not to be all in the know and all matey and all that nonsense, but I remember talking to you at that time, and actually I do think that um, what it what it what that period would have done for you from a from a potential manager and coach point of view is well actually that was kind of the ultimate okay this is all on me then is it this is all on my shoulders I am actually going to have to kind of carry this load and um, and kind of front up because there's no one else to to kind of shirk it to or delegate it to and and you know you. Hopefully you have an incredible career and, and win everything as a manager. But the, the point is you're almost certainly going to have some shit ends to seasons where you are going to have to do that. So from a personal gain point of view, I think you, you have to shape that as, you know, you, you have had experience of, of you being the one with the most appearances, you being the club captain and, and there being no one else in a position of authority. So Joe Ferrari says, can't Russ, do us, do us yet another favour. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, like, as you said, you, you, learn, you learn from everything, didn't you? And I, I always did. And to be honest... I never, um, it was only until like that, that year really where I started, I started watching back or reading what I'd said because right. it's easy to sort of forget things and there'd be things like, oh, maybe that was a bit, bit too honest or maybe that was a bit, um, can be seen as, I don't know. I don't, yeah, it was, it was an interesting period, really interesting period. Towards the end, I'd probably done much more media than I would have, would have liked. Um, I would have loved to do loads more positive stuff about winning games and, and, do you, know what, do you know what I mean? But, but then again, you did make. At the end of the day, there, there were those. There were those. There were those really good. Um, they, you know, there's all those pictures of of, of the the playoff win, and there's you know, there's those fantastic. Uh, there's all those fantastic pictures that and, and and coverage of when we were going on those great runs. I think it's again, it's another example of where you you maybe tend to dwell on the things you think. Oh, I wish I could. Oh, have done no, this. Listen, I wish I could have done that. Oh yeah, I was just talking about the media, but there was. Oh, listen, I've got no issue. At the end of the day, I had a really good relationship with the media team there. I could always, if I wanted to say no, I could have said no. And I probably rarely did. But if there was one where I really didn't want to do it or whatever, I would have said no and they would have been fine with it. So I'm not, this isn't me going, oh, I feel really sorry for myself and I had to do loads. I, ultimately, I decided to do it and it was fine. I, was, I, I respected I was captain and had to do, 
had to do it a lot of the time, so it was fine. And honestly, mate, I've got no um, my positives at the football club far outweigh the negatives. Trust me. Right. Well, let's let's, let's skew positive then. Let's look at uh, if you were you know where you are now play, playing in the defence at MK. Uh, you you can pick one centre back that you played with in your decade with Norwich, um, and and you get them if they're fully fit. They're in their prime. They haven't slightly aged like you. you know, they are, they are they are they are fully fit and in their prime. Who are you going with? All all the centre backs you played with. Um, good question. The year when we went up in the playoffs, I really enjoyed playing with Seb. Yeah. We, we struck up a really good relationship on the pitch. Um, I think when he came back to us, we had like the second best defensive record in the league, which we'd done really well um, together. But I, if I'm being honest, I never really got a chance to play with him. And I would have loved to have a bit more time um, playing with him. But it would have been, it would have been Martin Bennett probably. Okay. It was kind of me or him all the time, and it was never we were never really considered together, which I don't know why. But um, I would have liked to have because he, he he had so much potential, right? and you've seen it realised now with Wolves. But um, he never really got a, a huge run in the team at, at Norwich, or with someone who I think could have helped. And I think me and him together, um, I, I could have been we could have been quite good for each other, but it never happened. But yeah, uh, said probably in terms of playing games together and and uh, playing lots of games together. That leads really nicely onto a question that we got in, again, from a listener, uh, Maddie McKenzie, who asks, would you rather play centre-half alongside Zimmerman or right-back behind Emmy Buendia? That's a good question, isn't it? I love Zimbo, but I think Emmy's top, top player. Um, are you asked me before 30 or after 30? Because I'll be two very different answers. Well, I think we can take, take, take you <laughs> in your prime. Yeah, you're in your prime, is, mate. For, is this, for, the, is this the made-up thing where I insisted I played centre-half? Is this the... Um, well, yeah, but that of... comes from the same school of thought of the fact that every goal was your fault. Yeah, so every, every goal was your fault and you basically threw a paddy <laughs> if you weren't allowed to play centre-back. That's yeah. pretty much the truth, right? Um, yeah, that is what are. you tweeted every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... No, I'd, I'd probably like to play behind Emmy. I think he's a top, top player. Yeah, I'd love to play behind Emmy. So, so obviously we've got a few decent players at the moment, and and you know last year's squad was 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 fairly good. Um, let let let's, you, you had a couple of um, fantastic championship promotion um, winning teams. Which of those two that you went up from the championship to the Premiership with, um, Premier League, sorry, uh, do you think? Would 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 be the best game, you know? Of I mean, you 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 may well back both of your two teams, but if you thought one of those two teams, one of those two squads, you know, or some of them were the same, but there's quite a few differences. Which of them do you think would would have the best chance of putting last season's team away in a one 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 off fixture, not two legs, one off ninety minute game? That's a good question. No, Every no. time you say that he's asked a good question, he fist, fist pumps. Fist pump. Fist pump. Yeah. <laughs> says good question. I it's fist pump. Awful. It's, 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 about, it's, I think it's about playing the second team and just hitting diags to Bradley Johnson over Max Aaron's head and just watching, <laughs> <laughs> just watching Brad come destroy Paul Max, who's been unbelievable, by the way. But um, I'll probably go for that and we'll use that tactic and see what comes of it. Decent. Okay. So uh, have you have you thought about um, the the type of the type of opportunity manager wise? You know, you were just talking about play, hitting diags and and scoping different. You know, therefore, you, obviously, as a manager, you're going to scope different uh, tactics for different opposition. Um, have you thought about the, an ideal kind of scenario you'd like to go into playing staff-wise? Like, would you rather start off with a very technical team or a very, very hard team or a team that's got a, a particular philosophy already? Um, 
I'm a real purist, so that probably answers your question. So I um yeah, I, I like I like possession and I, I like uh I like technicians. Um but I'm 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 big at I want I want a team but ultimately out of possession that works really, really hard but can play football. I oh, I guess every manager's looking for that, but I'm not interested in playing percentage football and playing in the opposition half and all that. I think there's a reason you play goal kick short and you play out from the back and you get really good at it is to make more space at the other end of the pitch. So um I I yeah, I'd I'd probably prefer a technical team to try and instill the other side of it after. It's one one of those where depending on where you start in the pyramid, you might have to make a few um, Yeah, listen, you, it's so hard to say this is my philosophy. If I took a job where none of the players could pass the football, then that might be a bit of an issue and you might have to ad- adapt and adjust a little bit. But um it, and it takes time. It takes time to instill that football. Look at look at um, and Daniel and Norwich in the first season. You know, took time for the players to believe in it and and, and get better at it. And it took time um, for the fans to be patient. Yeah, exactly. Speaking personally, well, look, I'm I'm on I'm on record as it. We we we've covered this ground a hundred times. Um, I, I the jury was out until the results meant that I could no longer be a cynic. And you know. I can't, I can't help having an opinion, there, can I? Ninety-nine percent of people are honest, wouldn't they? Surely. Yeah, at least at least I'm honest about the fact that you know I was I was a huge skeptic, and I said these are the things that need to change going into the season, and I listed them all. I put them all on longcomeknowledge.com, and then he did them all. So you know, I, I literally ran out so of things to criticise him for. <laughs> at least I was honest and said these are the things that are I need you to do. Saying that Daniel Fark read your list and instilled it into the. He said, right, lads, this is what we're going to get better at. It's, publicly, it's publicly available, so he could well have done that, Russ. You you know, and I think what might have happened is you might have printed it off and given it to him, because I think that's how much you love the club, you're willing to do that. Yeah, my parting gift. There you go, Dan. Do that and you'll be all right. <laughs> so, Tom Parsley was a total convert at full-time in the Mad City game up until then. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, 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 but however, then as soon as he got to... Uh, Before the game, yeah, throw yeah, this, yeah, don't yeah, even yeah, turn up. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so obviously you're looking out for Norwich and you still call us we um, and, and, and always will do. Um, from Brighton, played to Peterborough, Norwich, Rangers, MK Dons, mates Benham and John at Blackburn, Gillies at Scum. Whose results are you looking out for um, first, second, third on a Saturday tea time? You know, who, who are the teams? Because you know, there are so many you're connected through, with through the game. You can't, you know, you can't have 11 favourites. So who, who are the teams that, that you, you really go, look, I, I need to know how they've got on the second I get off the pitch? Uh, well, Norwich, obviously, I get hammered by the lads because they're like always, you know, I always ask what the Norwich score is if someone's got their phone out or whatever. So I don't tend to look at my phone straight after a game. And loads of lads get out in the dressing room and stuff. I'm a bit old school. I wait till I get on the bus. But um, yeah, I always ask the Norwich one. Um, I've got really good friends at Wickham still. It's my first club. So I asked the Wickham one. Um, love to see how Brad and Benno getting on. And then I look at various, various boys like Wolves, John and Benno. Um, but yeah, it's, to be honest, it's mostly it's, it's pretty much just Norwich, and and then uh, probably second to that is Wickham, where I started. So, uh, Holty said that his promotion team was the best. Huck said his promotion team were the best. You've obviously got two, so you could kind of pick from pick from a semblance of those. Um, Farker, Holty's Holty's team, your, your two teams, Huck's team. Which, which do you think was definitely the best promotion winning squad of that of that first decade? Or like that first fifteen years of this this century, all really different. Huh? Um, I'd go for our first one as well. I'm going to be really biased. I'm going to go with Holt and and uh, and uh, make yeah back up my my captain. So yeah, there's reasons for that. I've, I just think 
from sheer will and, and spirit and, and fight and energy and desire that we beat the other teams. We had a pretty bloody good side as well, but um, technically and stuff. But yeah, I think I think uh, I'd go with that one. I'm certainly not going with Hux's team because take Hux out of it. I'm not sure they do it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that the first name on Hux's team sheet, not surprisingly. So then just going back to the teams that, the results that you look out for and the teams that you've played for, one of the questions we got in was from Nick Hayhoe and it was, how do you find it as a player to play for a team that you haven't supported growing up? And that in turn reminded me of a question that I've long wanted to ask you after I read an interview with you in the Guardian about voting green and then you signed for Rangers and I wondered because I if it's not going to happen but I don't think that I could play football for a club nor do I who's (laughs) 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 I agree with you um I don't think I could play for a football club whose political fan base leaning would be so different from my own so there's sort of two questions in one there how do you how do you find playing for a club that you don't support? And how do you find playing for a club whose standpoint, be it just maybe in the fans, not the actual club, is very different from your own? Um, the first one, I think not many people get a chance to play for the team they support as a kid. So I, I was at Brighton, I got released, I had a chance to go back there before I came to Norwich. Um, well, actually, at the same time, it was kind of between Norwich and Brighton. And obviously, the pool to come home was massive. But then the, the pool to come and play at a club like Norwich was, and for Paul again was even bigger. So it, it, it's a tough one. I think if you get a chance to play at a team you support as a kid and you get a chance to stay there and you're happy there, great. But I think it's like any career. You want to progress. You're doing a job that you love. So that kind of overtakes it regardless of the club you're at. And you do lose affinity with a team you support um, as a child as a child because you're you're playing for that team so you're invested in that team it's like now my kids are Norwich fans like we play in the garden stuff then my, my boys are wearing Norwich kits like I, I got on the Brighton kit when we came home just because I thought oh, they might want to go to a few games but they don't you know they support Norwich they got their red Norwich kits on the third kit this year or whatever it is so I might be the away one actually but um, they yeah that that's how it is because you're invested in that team 100% so I think if you don't support the team it becomes yeah, it, it's, it doesn't really matter to be honest. It, it's you, you you support the team you play for. Ultimately, if, if you're a good well, if you're a good person, a good professional, everything becomes about that team. Of course, you can still support the team you support as a kid or whatever. But trust me, over the years, it become you become less and less in, invested in that, and it's all about the team you're playing at because you're a professional and and you're doing a job that you wanted to do since you were young. But the second one, uh, again, being an idealist, I'd love not to play for for football clubs where I thought it, they, they believed in something totally different from me. But um, at the same time, there's experiences that you can't, you can't turn down and, and you don't need to align with. So when you're talking about that one, it's a, I guess you're talking about, you know, the fans of that football club and, and, the, and the values that maybe they have are really different to, to ones that I possess or, or someone else does. But, Ultimately, it's about the people that are inside the building. So it's about the people in the training ground. It's about the people that you have day-to-day experience with because you can shut yourself off from the other stuff. Like I think Norwich, Stuart talks about it all the time, like um, shutting out the noise. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. So I think, yeah, I, I, didn't, I, I couldn't turn that one down because the experience, my dad, um, my dad actually supports the other side of 
Glasgow, she wasn't very happy. Oh, no. um, <laughs> wow, can you imagine when he held you in his arms for the first time? That was, was going to happen. Years so, uh, so he wasn't, he wasn't best pleased. Although he won the league, and I was hopeless the last two months, so he was, he was pleased with that. But um, yeah, so I, it's a tough one, isn't it? In, in an ideal world, you'd never do it, but there's, there's things that you can't, you can't turn down, and you want to experience. And um, looking back on it now, I think if you're a manager and you're going in and there's an owner who your values really don't align with comes a little bit different. Um, yeah. And it's the same with a manager. If you, if you, if you think your manager's a human being that you're, you don't particularly like, or is someone you you're really completely miles away from that relationship's not going to last very long. So you have to find something that fits. I was really lucky. That I found something that fitted with me in terms of the way the club was run, the people there, the place, um, how they treated me and my family. Uh, for a very long time in Norwich, but it doesn't happen everywhere. It really doesn't happen everywhere, and it's probably one of the reasons why I left Walsall really, really quickly, because um, it was just wrong on a, on a lot of levels, and, and and one of them was probably that I just didn't feel part of of a football club, and I didn't think I was ever going to feel part of that football club. So um, I made the decision to leave right or wrongly. Well, we're talking on um, talking on things that, that don't quite work out. One of the things I was thinking about about asking. Um, if it came up and, and so, so it has done obviously nearly a decade with, with the football club there, there were quite a few transfers that came in and, and it was kind of a sideways step didn't work out so I just wondered you know you had the likes of Naismith Wiltshire and Walswinkle um, I wanted to throw in Kai Kamara but the lads wouldn't let me because as far as they're concerned he was an incredible signing with his one jumping goal so uh, decent. he was so decent jumping. La- La- Lafferty I don't think he was he did La- a lovely dance or whiz he, he, I'm sure he's a lovely lad I'm not sure he was a great great sign <laughs> but, but of, all, of all the misfires which was the player who that didn't work out that, that either you or, or the lads were most surprised you know they, they looked immense in training you were all really chuffed that they, they joined and it, and which one of, of those ones that you think you know didn't last very long at Norwich you actually thought I'm surprised by that I really thought that they, they had enough and, and they they would have worked out uh nazy 100 percent um on his day top top player brilliant professional uh brilliant for the younger lads brilliant for me as a captain at the time to bounce things off to to, as a support uh, mechanism, he was um, trained brilliantly well and then came in injured, didn't really hit the ground running. Um, and yeah, it was just weird it didn't work out. And I really felt that he would have really suited, especially that first year when, I, when we both were sort of out of the picture, he would have really improved and, out and suited the way Daniel wanted to play. He'd done it at Everton for like four years. Mm. Um, but I think if you spoke to any one of the young lads like Madders, um, the Murphys, um, people like that. I think they'd all, well, I'd hope they'd all say that, listen, not taking any credit, but me and Nazy would have helped them in some way at some point, whether it's giving them a kick, whether it's giving them a nudge, whether it's giving them a, putting an arm around them. Um, but they'd always come to Steve or, or me for an opinion or things like that. And he was really undervalued because uh, people don't see that day-to-day stuff. Um, and I'll, you are judged on the pitch, I get that. And he didn't, he'll, he'll be the first one to admit that he didn't produce what he wanted on the pitch. Um, but he also felt that he never got a run to do that or he never got enough love or faith put in him to, to show that. So I, the one that surprised me, because I think if it was managed, not managed well, it's the wrong way, if it was handled differently or if he had, a, if he didn't come in, if timing based, if circumstances were different, I think he'd probably still be there now and he, he'd probably 
be a fan's favourite like he was everywhere else because he was at Rangers, he was at Everton. They loved him at both and he is at Hearts now. He's their main man, their best player. They've given him a four-year deal at 32. So that tells you the measure of what, what he is as a player and a person. I was going to say, that, that point, the four-year deal at that age points to yeah. arm around the lads, you know, yeah, help, exactly. help, help people keep on. I mean, I'm, I see the value in that. But I didn't, I, what I didn't understand from that, from that kind of chapter was why it was so obvious that he hardly had any game time. I, I, I was, I've always been in the, the minority with, with Naismith, with, with other supporters. Um, and, and even those that I see eye to eye on on most things seemed to be of the opinion of, oh, no, you know, it was it's a you know, one-way relationship and, and we haven't got our money's worth. And, and, and I just thought, I, I've, never, underst- I've nev- never understood the fact that the fans were so slow to take to him and, and never took to him and, and almost seemed like it was his fault that he wasn't in the team. It's like, well, he's not picking the team. He's, he's not leaving himself out. So he can't he can't change your mind. He can't come on and score goals off the bench because he's not getting any minutes. He can't come well, on and, and shape things. So, and when he was played, let's get, he was played out of position a lot of time. A lot of the time he was played like out on the left or out on the right. And he's a number ten or a striker, really. Like that's his best position. He'll do he'll do a job out there because that's what he's a team player. But a lot he was sort of playing between positions. I'm I'm not making excuses for me. I, I just I'm just. I'm just disappointed it didn't work out for him and the club because I think he could have been it could have been a really good fit and he really enjoyed the area um, and the club. It just didn't work out. What about you boys? Punt, Lorne, any, oh, any, any other sort of transfers that you think? Well, you I know, think you going back to Nasey, yeah, just talking about Nasey, I think you're you're bang on the money that that he didn't get the chance. But there was probably as a supporter, and this I'm not I don't necessarily subscribe to this, but as a supporter. You kind of look for for visual cues from your players because you can't hear what they're saying on the pitch. You you know you you're not that close to it. And Naismith, he's he's kind of got this dogged look on his face. You know he's you know he looks like a bit of, and I'm sure he's not because of the work he does off the pitch. But he looks like a bit of a nasty bastard on the pitch. Yeah. There's three or four times where I don't think he was digging one of the Murphy boys out, but he looked like he was digging one of the Murphy boys out. And to fans pick up on that, fans think, well, hang on, you're getting onto one of our own. What are you doing? <laughs> hang on a minute, that's our job. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. our job to abuse the Murphys. The Murphy really boys needed that. that. Anyone could see that. They, they, need, well, they think, needed someone to I keep think there's a difference. Mind. There's a difference between being demanding and a difference between being a prick. Yeah. And, I, and I, think, <laughs> I think it looked maybe to some supporters that he was being a bit of a prick. But actually, he but, played at the Premier League. He played at a serious yeah. level. Yeah, what, three, 300 privileges in the Premier League? Exactly. But the supporters can't contextualise that because they don't know what's gone yeah. on Monday to Friday. Absolutely. So, what about the other side of that coin? Is there a player who's come in and in the first couple of training sessions you've thought, what the fuck have we signed here? And then <laughs> they've, they've been amazing. Timu Puki. Um, yeah, probably Timu uh, at the start. Um, I'd say Tom Tribal as well. He came on trial. Um, oh, that's right. He did come on trial. This, yeah, this is yeah. about that. This small skinny fella, really quiet, and people thinking, yeah, I'm not sure. And then obviously he he done brilliantly well. Um, uh, I think another one was actually it was Yusuf came in and started unbelievably well in pre-season. Yusuf from Lumbo, um, and then got injured and just never came back the same again. And everyone thought oh, he's going to be really good for us, uh, it just didn't work out. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say uh, even like if you saw him in training, like Holty, horrific. <laughs> when I first signed I was like oh this fella and then on match day it was just unbelievable and I'm sure he probably surprised everyone including the fans including all the players when he first signed the club no one expected him to go on and do what he did um, but yeah probably f- f- for me 
probably t- Tom in, in recent history, Tom Tribal probably was right up there. Cool. Well, are there any other listener questions that we want to make sure we get across or have we covered all the good I, ones? We've got some I really good ones in um, today. We did get some brilliant ones. I think we've got to ask Matt Bartons, which is... Okay, we'll round off with that then. <clears throat> are you aware that the footage of you in your small black pants had quite the significant impact among ladies and gentlemen of a certain age across Norfolk? I wasn't aware of that, but it's nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> brings us on to the long come Norwich quiz uh, Russ obviously you listen to every episode so you'll know that you've got a minute to uh, answer six questions um, yeah. everyone's got three questions on Norwich and then three random other football trivia questions there is a there is a, a link and a, and a theme um, guess now listeners who might win uh, so <laughs> who's got the most so far what did Gorham get five four Gorham did well didn't he yeah, well, this season five. yeah, this yeah season, got five, yes I think you got you got five to, to, to be up, up at his heights your time Russ one minute don't forget to use pass and we'll come back to him again don't get stuck wasting time your time starts now which defender was sent off against Wolves in the first game of the playoff final winning season Martin Olsen correct who started in goal for Borough in the playoff final oh the Greek fella oh what's his name oh, come back no. to it yeah. Which midfielder was given the shirt number 36 in the playoff winning season? Graham Dorans. Incorrect. Besides from Ronaldo, name no, another Portuguese no. player. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Name another Portuguese player to get a Premier League hat trick. Wait, they're Constantopoulos. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you got to wait. You've got to come back round to it. You've got to come back round to it. Portuguese oh, player to get a Premier League hat trick that isn't Ronaldo. Portuguese player, hat trick. Yeah, there's, there's, two, there's two Portuguese players to get Premier League hat tricks that isn't Ronaldo. Oh, no. Nani. No. Other than PSV and Ajax, name a Dutch team to have played in the Champions League. Ten seconds. Feyenoord. PSV. Yes. Uh, uh, who started in goal for Borough in the playoff final? Dimitri Constantopoulos. Yes. And name number 36. Time. Oh, okay. So it wasn't Gary O'Neill. It was Cam McGeehan. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> they can't all be easy, Russ. So you got Martin Olsen immediately. Uh, that was a 1-0 loss. Uh, Constantinopoulos. Um, started in goal for Borough in the playoff final. Camagian was wore shirt number 36. Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva at the weekend against oh, Watford. F- and also Diogo Jota as well. Um, he's also scored uh, a hat-trick. Um, you got Feyenoord. Um, and uh, I didn't actually get round to the final question because I wanted to give you a chance to get the Greek fella's name out. Um, so which Irish striker played for Spurs, Villa and West Ham in the, in the Premier League? Spurs for the West Ham. Robbie King. Yeah, you know, he didn't get to that for West Ham. So he got three out of six, which is Probably, not bad. And will he win never checks, does he? Weeks. No, he doesn't check. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's just made three clubs he's heard of. <laughs> right, okay. So, Lorne, three to tie, four to win. Oh, hang on, punt first. Okay, punt. Okay, fine. Conventions. Punt, your turn. <laughs> your time starts now. Which Frenchman was top scorer in Syria three times? Oh, is it Papin? No. Which German no. midfielder played for Everton, Aston Villa and West Ham in the Premier League? Thomas Hitchelberger. Yep. Who was the last English midfielder to win Manchester United's Player of the Season award in 2013? English, did you say? Yeah. 
Um, Carrick. Correct. Name one of the teams we beat by five goals in the championship playoff winning season. Championship playoff playoff final winning season. Ooh. Scunthorpe. No. Who was the referee for our playoff final win? Uh, what's his name? Mike Dean. Correct. Who scored the Scum's goal in the first leg of the playoff semi-final? Anderson. Correct. And which Frenchman seconds. was top scorer in Serie A three times? I don't know, Balotelli. Uh, Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Frenchman. Go on, pass, pass. Um, Time. Oh, okay. Ah. You've got four, though, so you've still done enough. Um, Mike Dean was a good was shot. Yeah, I... No, it wasn't. It was um, uh, Michel Platini. Oh. oh, of course. I only got Mike Dean because he did a ridiculous... When he blew the whistle, he did some ridiculous signal, and that's on that compilation video of all the ridiculous things that Mike Dean has done. So your, your, your theme for your answers was that they're all going to be Mike or Michaels, as in Michelle Platini, Michael Carrick, Mike Dean. Um, and Paul I've Anderson. Written, I've written down Michael Hitzelsberger. Because I've written, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Hitzelsberger um, and Paul, Paul Anderson. Anderson. Well done, mate. And he, he started that with, they're all going to be Michael, Michael, yeah. Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. You, you, you've got four out of six, so don't complain. And as I always say, it's like a sloping pitch. It's the same for both teams. So... Lorne, four to tie, five to win. Your time starts now. Who started up front with Graben in the first game of the playoff final winning season? Uh, Gary Hooper. Incorrect. Who wore the number eight for Middlesbrough in the playoff final? Uh, pass. Uh, who started 16 league games but scored 12 league goals in the playoff winning season? Uh, Graben. Incorrect. Which Sampdoria striker was the top scorer in Serie A last season? Pass. Which goalkeeper has played in the Prem for both Bournemouth and Southampton? Uh, Arthur Bowick. Correct. Other than Leon, name one of this year's uh, French Champions League teams. PSG. Correct. Uh, who started up front with Grabbin in the first home game of the playoff final winning season? Uh, Cameron Drone. Incorrect. Who wore the number eight for Middlesbrough in the playoff final? Um, Patrick Bamford. Incorrect. Who started 16 league games but scored 12 league goals in the playoff winning season? Uh... Cameron Drone. Incorrect. Victoria <laughs> Striker was the top scorer in Serie A last season. I haven't got a clip pass. Um, and other than uh, you got that one uh, up front with Graben that wasn't Graben. Okay. Kyle Lafferty, obviously. Oh, yeah. Kyle. A Watford 3 0 win. Uh, Russ, do you remember who wore the number eight for Middlesbrough when you owned them in the playoff final? Adam Clayton. Was Adam Clayton. Um, who started 16 league games but scored 12 league goals in the playoff? Gary season. Hooper. Gary, Gary Hooper. Hooper. Yeah. Uh, he did Hooper. get 14 sub appearances, but yeah, it's a good stat that if you take out. He the was subs. one of the players that I was surprised didn't do better. Well, I thought. Thing is, I thought he, he did, did right. do fine. Like, did but right. if you think about the time he had on the pitch to goals. Yeah, I think um, goal was good, wasn't it? Mm. Um, that, a couple of a couple of those volleys that season. Um, Sam Dory striker is a former Norwich target. Quagliarella, huge more signing him. Uh, yeah, and then you got the the PSG one. You could have had Lille as well. So was that three? Let's call it four. We'll call it. We'll call it. We'll call it four. So uh, no, 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 we won't. <laughs> no, no, we'll call it three. <laughs> no, because I, <laughs> I was thinking three made it was it meant it was even. Right, okay. So uh, punt, you have got the uh, the, the win. Um, Boom. Which is which is maybe the first time this season. Well done, um, Michael. I'll, I'll give I've you won three <laughs> this season. Piss off. Listen to it. Uh, the tie break to round us off because we always do the tie break, even though it's not a tie. Um, I need an exact number, please. None of your higher, lower bullshit. Russ is the guest. You can go first. How many sub appearances did Vadis Odija Afoe make in the championship playoff winning season? There's another one who I thought would do a lot better. Oh I didn't. No, there was one who... 
yeah, sub appearances in the 14 15 season, according to the website I looked at. He was injured for quite a bit, wasn't he? He was. I can't give you clues, Russell. Um, by the way, what a good player he's in that one we should have mentioned earlier. Wonderful song as well. What was his song? He's magic, you know, that is a DJ of foo. That's a great song. I never heard that. No, nor did I. That's the first time I've ever been complimented on my singing. I don't think he complimented you on the singing. I think <laughs> it was no, the song. It's a great song. Great song. Yeah, no, he he looked really good in the the weird donut ring shirt, didn't he? I yeah, I thought he'd do really well. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, yeah, go on. And sub appearances, Russ, for Vadis. Um, sub appearances, sub appearances. I would go with. Tw- no, not that many. Seven. I, I, love, I love that a professional sportsman is so competitive of, of, for something that's literally he's already lost. <laughs> You've gone seven. <laughs> Lorne? Right, my, my instinct was 12, with the fact that Russ nearly said it strengthens me, so 12. Okay. Punt, the winner of tonight's I, quiz, what would you like to go for in this meaningless tiebreaker? First time he's won this season. It is the first time. Bollocks. Um, five. He, he's doubled down. Four is the answer. He was hardly Ooh. around at all. <laughs> um, which brings us to the end of, of tonight's podcast. Russ, thanks so much for spending the time talking to us. I hope you go well this weekend. Who have you got? Uh, Sunderland away. And can I have a, a prediction for the Palace game, please, that Norwich are playing this weekend? Um, I think they will beat Palace 2 now. Lovely. And Lorne, prediction from you? Uh, I think we'll win, actually. I'll end the Selhurst hoodoo, but I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. So 3-1. And punt. I think 1-1. I think we'll lose 3-0. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, Russ, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, guys. Goodbye, everyone.